Chapter Twenty Two of the Expedition of the Donner Party and Its Tragic Fate. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Donna Stewart, Seattle, Washington. The Expedition of the Donner Party and Its Tragic Fate by Eliza P. Donner Houghton. Chapter Twenty Two gold discovered california is ours nursing the sick the u s military post burial of an officer in the year eighteen forty eight while the settlers and their families were contentedly at work developing the resources of the country the astounding cry gold discovered came through the valley like a blight stopping every industry in its wake excited men women and children rushed to town in quest of information it was furnished by alcalde boggs and general vallejo who had been called away privately two weeks earlier and had just returned in a state of great enthusiasm declaring that gold in dust grains and chunks had been discovered at coloma not more than a day's journey from sutter's fort how soon can we get there became the all-absorbing problem of eager listeners the only hotel-keeper in the town sold his kettles and pans closed his house and departed shopkeepers packed most of their supplies for immediate shipment and raised the price of those left for home trade men and half-grown boys hardly took time to collect a meagre outfit before they were off with a shovel and pan and something big to hold the gold a few families packed their effects into emigrant wagons and deserted house and lands for the luring gold fields. Crowds from San Francisco came hurrying through, some stopping barely long enough to repeat the maddening tales that had started them off to the diggings with pick and shovel. Each new rumor increased the exodus of gold seekers, and by the end of the first week in August, when the messenger arrived with the long-hoped-for report of the ratification of the Treaty of Peace, and General Mason's proclamation officially announcing it, there were not enough men left in the valley outside of the barracks to give a decent round of cheers for the blessing of peace. Grandpa brought the news home, California is ours. There will be no more war, no more trouble, and no more need of soldiers. Yet the women felt that their battles and trials had just begun, since they had suddenly become the sole homekeepers, with limited ways and means to provide for the children and care for the stock and farms. Discouragement would have rendered the burdens of many too heavy to carry had not work together and help your neighbor become the watchwords of the day. No one was allowed to suffer through lack of practical sympathy from house to house by turns went the strong to help the weak to bridge their troubles they went not with cheering words only but with something in store for the empty cupboards and with helping hands to help milk wash cook or sew grandma was in such demand that she had little time to rest for there was not a doctor nor a medicine shop in the valley and her parcels of herbs and knowledge of their uses had to serve for both nights she set her shoes handy so that she could dress quickly when summoned to the sick and dawn of day often marked her homecoming georgia and i were led into her work early 
for we were sent with broths and appetizers to the sick on clearings within walking distances, and she would bid us stay a while at different houses where we could be helpful, but to be sure and bring careful reports from each home we entered. Under such training, we learned much about diseases and the care of the suffering. Anon, we would find in the plain wooden cradle a dainty bundle of sweetness all done up in white, which its happy owner declared Grandma had brought her and we felt quite repaid for our tiresome walk if permitted to hold it a wee while and learn its name. We were sent together on these missions in order that we might help each other to remember all that was told us. Yet Grandma had us take turns, and the one whom she commissioned to make the inquiries was expected to bring the fuller answers. Sometimes we played on the way and made mistakes then she would mete out to us the hardest of punishments namely that we were not to speak with each other until she should forgive our offence forgiveness usually came before time to drive up the cows for she knew that we were nimbler footed when she started us off in a happy mood each cow wore a bell of different tone and knew her own name yet it was not an easy task even in pleasant weather to collect the various strings and get them home on time they mixed and fed with the neighbors cattle on the range and hid themselves behind clumps of trees and other convenient obstructions often grandma would get her string in by the main trail and have them milked before we could bring up the laggards that provokingly dawdled along nibbling stray bunches of grass when late on the road we saw coyotes sneaking out for their evening meal and heard the far-away cry of the panther but we were not much afraid when it was light enough so that imagination could not picture them creeping stealthily behind us our gallant company c officered by captain bartlett and lieutenants stoneman and stone was ordered to another post early in august and its departure called such universal regret that no one supposed Company H, under Captain Frisby, could fill its place. Nevertheless, that handsome young officer soon found his way to the good will of the people, and when Captain Joe Hooker brought him out to visit Grandma's dairy, she too was greatly pleased by his soldierly bearing. After he mentioned that he had heard of her interest in the company which had been called away, and that he believed she would find Company H equally deserving of her consideration, she readily extended to the new men the homelike privileges which the others had enjoyed. Thus more friends came among us. Notable among mine was the old darky cook at headquarters from whom Georgia and I tried to hide the first time she waddled out to our house. She searched us out, saying, "'Now, honeys, don't you be so scared of dis old Aunt Lucy, "'cause she done heard Captain Hooker tell lots about yous, "'and she's come to see us.' Her face was one great smile, and her voice was so coaxing that she had little difficulty in gaining our favor, the more so as upon leaving she called back, "'I's surely going to make that little pie and cake, I promise yous, "'so yous mustn't forget to come and get it. On one occasion, when I was sent to the post on an errand, she had no pie or cake, but she brought out a primer, and said thoughtfully, "'I was going to give you this here ABC book, "'cause I want you should grow up like quality folks.' Its worn leaves showed that its owner had studied its first few pages only, and when I replied, "'Grandma says I must not take everything that is offered me,' she chuckled and continued, 
Lord, honey, you needn't have no punctions about taking this here book, cause I couldn't learn to read no how when I was a gal, and I was too old now. Now I wants you to be nice, and you can't, lessen you can read and talk like the captain done told me your mother done. I was delighted with the book and told her so, and hugged it all the way home, for it had a beautiful picture near the back, showing a little girl with a sprinkling pot, watering her garden of stocks, sweet williams, and hollyhocks. Her hair was in four long curls, and she had trimming on her dress, apron, and long pantalettes. I was also impressed by the new words I had heard Aunt Lucy use, punctions and quality folks. I repeated them over and over to myself, so that I should be able to tell them to Georgia. Our last visit to Aunt Lucy must have been prearranged, for as she admitted us, she said, "'I's mighty glad you's done come so soon, cause I've been expectin' yous, and must take yous right in to the general.' I had never seen a general, and was shy about meeting one, until after she assured me that only cowards and bad men feared him. We walked down the corridor and entered a large room where an elderly gentleman in uniform sat writing at a table. Aunt Lucy stopped beside him, and still holding each by the hand, bowed low, saying, "'General Smith, I brung you to two little Donna gals in to see you, sir.' Then she slipped out. He was as courteous to us as though we were grown ladies, shook hands, asked how we felt, begged us to be seated, and then stepped to a door and called, "'Susan! Susan!' I liked the name. A sweet voice answered, "'Coming!' Presently, a pretty, dark-haired southern lady appeared, who called us honeys and dear little girls. She sat between us, joining with her husband in earnest inquiries about our stay in the mountains and our home with Grandma. Georgia did most of the talking. I was satisfied just to look at them and hear them speak. At the close of our visit, with a knowing look, she took us to see what Aunt Lucy had baked.' the general and she had recently come to pay a last visit to a sick officer who had been sent from san francisco with the hope that our milder climate would prolong his life they themselves stayed only a short time and their friend never left our valley the day he died the flag swung lower on the staff Soldiers dug his grave on the hillside north of town, and word came from army headquarters that he would be buried on the morrow at midday with military honors. Georgia and I wanted to know what military honors were, and as it came time for the funeral, we gathered with others on the plaza where the procession formed. We were deeply impressed. The emigrants uncovered and bowed their heads reverently, but the soldiers in line, with guns reversed, stood erect and motionless as figures in stone, while the bier of the dead was being carried through open ranks to the waiting caisson. The coffin was covered with a flag, and upon it lay his chapeau, gauntlets, sash, and sword. His boots, with their toes reversed, hung over the saddle of a riderless horse led behind the caisson. The solemn tones of fife and muffled drum led the way through the town, past the old mission bells and up the hillside. Only soldiers stood close around the grave and heard what was read by the officer who stood at its head, with an open book in one hand and a drawn sword in the other. Three times the file of soldiers fired a volley over the grave, 
Then the muffled drum sounded its farewell taps, and the officers, with their men and the funeral case on, returned to their quarters in silent order. End of chapter 22 Recorded by Donna Stewart, Seattle, Washington